What's cracking, everybody? Money Smart Guy, Matt Zapala here. Hey, Lintia from Dallas, Texas. And welcome to another episode of A Millionaire Goals, of The Millionaire Goals Podcast here with my co-host, Milton Alvarez. What's going on, Milton? My man, happy to be here. A podcast dedicated to help you think like a millionaire, strategize like a millionaire, so therefore you can become a first-generation cash flow millionaire. So uh, a lot of topics today. Uh, very excited about uh, our conversation today. We're going to be talking about credit card jumping up. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, women finding irresponsible spending, a turn off. So if you're looking to attract a person in your life, might be dealing with finances. Let's talk about it here in a second. Uh, YouTube influencer Milton is talking about if you're making $200,000 a year, your chump change. Huh? Chump <laughs> change, man. If you're in your 20s, you don't have a Lamborghini, making $200,000, you are chump change. Also, we're talking about the struggles of men. It's a problem for everybody, not just... Uh, uh, just for the immediate family, but it's a problem for everyone in society, prioritizing money over marriage. We're going to talk about strength. Why is it so important to be strong, like physically strong yeah. uh, uh, as a man, and also why sitting, for people working at home, why sitting is very, very bad for your health. In addition to that, we're going to be talking about this Chinese balloon and uh, what the significance is that for us in the United States of America. So uh, let's jump right into it. So Milton, I'm, I have a different order here, man. Let's talk about this YouTube influencer. Let's talk about this YouTube influencer. Let's let's take a look at this clip here. He says that if 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 you're making twenty thousand dollars in your twenties, if you're not making twenty thousand dollars in your twenties, if you're a guy, if you're a guy in your twenties, right, let's take a look at this. Here's what he says. If you're a guy in your twenties and you don't have a Lamborghini, you should actually sit down and have like a serious discussion with yourself as to why you don't have a Lambo. Yep. Because it's, I realize now that it's so incredibly easy and there's so much money out there and 200 grand relative to what is out there in circulation and what you can grab, especially now with AI tools that you can leverage like never before, 200 grand is Trump change. If you're a guy in your- By the way, initial reaction. I like the fact that this guy is challenging everybody in their 20s. 1,000%. Matter of fact, challenging people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, because many people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s later on in their life, matter of fact, top CEOs, many Fortune 500 companies don't get paid $200,000 a year. They get you know, salary, but also they get uh, stock options on top of it. They hit their certain goals. So what are, you, what are your thoughts about this guy talking about chump change? I mean, you went an entrepreneur. We just covered last podcast. You're yeah. making $200,000 a year now. Yeah. He's kind of calling you out a little bit. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Listen, man. Um, on, on, on some level, you know, my, my, my ego gets in the way, and, and, and I want to say it's <laughs> clickbait. You know, who is this 20-year-old kid? Think probably hasn't really gone through a struggle. He's using, he's using his family struggle as his own struggle, as, an, as, as a way to leverage himself up when it comes down to viewers and people, you know, actually clinging on to his story. Yep. But now with the technology that we have and everything that's going on in this world, especially with AI, man, I've, I've, been, I've been chiming into the whole AI. Just like Chad GPT? Yeah. I've been for my own business. Really? And I've been seeing how now... I create more time for myself using AI. And now it's just about creating a new system so that way a lot of it starts to fall on AI itself so I can create more room for myself so I can do other things so I can create more avenues of money in my own personal give, business. Give me one thing that AI is doing for you to run your fitness business right now. It's helping me structure um, templates for my clients, online clients that, that, that I have at, at the very, very moment. Uh, when back, you know, maybe about seven, eight months ago before I even knew about about uh, GTP or AI, um, it would take me for per client, it would take me about an hour and a half, two hours to even create a, a complete program for them for themselves, whether it's a six month or 12 month program. Now with AI, it takes me 20 minutes to create one single program. So I'm creating more time, I'm able to do so much more. Yeah. So now if I'm gonna bring, bring on more clients onto my base, now what I can start doing is outsourcing. Now what I can start doing is actually hiring coaches to work under me and for me so that we're able to go wider and create more money. 
Um, I'm aware that this this kid, Sebastian, he's 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 involved in drop shipping. So that, okay. that came out in uh, okay. maybe about mm, ten years ago or so, and it took off with everything going on online, especially with the Shopify, XYZ. But my question is, you know, um, I wonder where his psychology is at when it comes down to this specific uh, topic. <laughs> you know, because I, I, because it hurt my ego a little bit when he yeah, said, you sure. know, if, if you're making twenty thousand dollars a year or so, yeah. you know, that's chump change. Yeah. My ego, my, my ego got hurt a little bit. So. What psychology, as a as a twenty something year old, what what kind of psychology do you have in you know in your life? How how did your parents raise you? What were you exposed to? What kind of pains were you exposed to? You know, who mentored you to to give you this type of psychology? You know, and on any point in time in his life, has he ever had a victimhood mentality? Because I feel that because I, my ego did get hurt a little bit, it was more of a, of a victimized type of hurt rather than an actual reality check of yo, this kid's right. There's so much money to be made out there. Yeah, so much money. So here's the thing. I mean, there's two different types of people that's raised in our country. It's either you're raised around money or you're raised without being around people around money. You're either from the streets or you're from some form of advanced uh, uh, um, uh, inheritance, uh, whether it's a mental inheritance because somebody was an entrepreneur. For example, we start off the show becoming a first generation cash flow millionaire. So in other words, if you've never had a millionaire in your family raise you and never had an example of an uncle or a godparent raise you around millions of dollars, a successful business that's legal, yeah. you probably have never had any context or reference to what making a million bucks was. So maybe this guy's mindset, maybe he was raised around people that had that type of mentality or standard in their life. Mm -hmm. If you're from neighborhoods like ours, you don't have that standard. And so uh, think about this, the median income, the household median income in America, is $70,784 in 2021, according to the Census Bureau. The average median household income is seventy. Thousand dollars, meaning that means husband and wife. Yeah, it means a household. It means an address. It doesn't mean individual. So you, you probably have two people making thirty-five thousand dollars a year combined together, they're making seventy thousand dollars household income. That's average across the United States. But I will say this: when we're going through the pandemic, when eighty percent of all the wealth in this country was printed in the last two three years because of stimulus, you all had an opportunity right in front of you. The world shut down. We got locked down. So we had an opportunity to sit back. By the way, this last seven days in Dallas reminded me of the lockdown because it was iced out in Dallas. <laughs> Nobody's going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Non-essential travel, I heard that was a talk in Dallas. I'm like, oh my gosh, they remind me of freaking uh, uh, pandemic. But if you were locked down, you were shut down, you were told not to go to work during a pandemic, you had a choice between either improving and or gaining a skill set or video games and Netflix. Whichever one you chose, said, hey, I'm disciplined or I'm not disciplined. This guy is calling everybody out because right now, if you, we just covered the last, last segment, if you want to buy the average home in America, which is $500,000, mm -hmm. that mortgage payment is approximately $3,700. You're not making that on average income. So you have a choice right now. You can either take this guy and get bitter about it or you choose can get, you can choose to get better about it. Either way, it's your choice. And so, uh, Here's another thing I want to talk about. Talk about um, uh, relationships. Women are finding it very much a turnoff. Let's take a look at this article here. Uh, women are finding it a very big turnoff. They find it very irresponsible when men don't know how to budget their money. Budget the money. Okay. So uh, let's take a look at it. So top financial turnoffs for men and women. If you got, if you recently got your car, clothes, or holiday on finance, you could be sabotaging your chances of finding. <laughs> According to report, personal debt is the biggest financial turnoff among both men and women. Let me ask you a question. I'm married. When I got married uh, together, when I, Sheena and I we got together, we had a conversation about, here's my financial situation. 
This is my scenario. I remember inviting Sheena to an Italian restaurant there on LaGrange Road in Chicago still, right there in downtown LaGrange. Yeah. Uh, you know what, what I'm talking about? It's this Italian restaurant right there on, on, on the east side of the street. Anyway, there was an Italian restaurant. You know how Italian tables have these paper uh, tablecloths? Sure. I just wrote down all my garbage. I say, this is what you might think I am. This is what I really am. Mm. Okay? But however, I'm not enjoying where I'm at right now because of my family situation. I was going through family court. I was going through child support court, all that type of stuff. And the weirdest part, I had custody of the kids. But this is where I'm going. And as soon as I got done doing that, I'm like, oh, shh, I'm about to lose this girl, man. <laughs> I took a big risk. Yeah. But she, she goes, is that it? Wow. I'm like, oh, my God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. What are your thoughts on, on having that financial conversation? And when is it appropriate to have the conversation when you're in the dating phase? You know, I, I think for a lot of people, it also depends on your age because you, you can be in your mid to early 20s and be conditioned or be groomed to, to, to have a, a mindset of what dating actually is, especially if you come from a religious household. Or if you come from a, a, a broken household, you know, even if you are in your 30s or 40s, you find relationships or any type of commitment to the opposite sex or whatever partner you're trying to seek for in this world, mm -hmm. um, I, 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 that conversation doesn't happen because you find it hard to even to see yourself committed to somebody. But what you just spoke on right now, I actually had a, uh, written down that people right. should be able to speak about finance prior to any form of commitment with, with each other. But now here's the thing, especially with, with the Gen Z's, the younger generation, and I've also noticed that within my own personal generation, like this is something I encountered a couple years ago where- So you're a millennial. I'm a millennial. I'm a, gen, I'm a Gen X. I'm part of the sexiest generation ever created in the history of humankind by God. Man said sexiest. It's correct. It's the 80s, 90s R&B, man. It's true. No music has been created since the 90s R&B ballads, okay? That's, that's true. I, I, I think <laughs> uh, February 13th, 1990, I was made with an R&B song in the background. No kidding. My Valentine's Day baby. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Oh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day is Day coming Day up, man. So, so, so here's my thing. When they, when, for, except for these articles, when they say that women find it irresponsible, uh, irresponsible spending as a turnoff. I, I, I notion that and I say mature women find it a turn off for, yeah, when it comes down to irresponsible spending. Because nowadays you also have, it could be a man or woman, it doesn't have to be a woman, I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't want to generalize, but in this, in this specific topic we're speaking about women. So uh, there's a lot of immature women, a lot of young girls, girls stuck in women's bodies who, if you're not spending the next amount of money on them, they're gonna move on to the next guy. It's a competition amongst a lot of guys out here in this world. Mm -hmm. Especially now with this whole red, you know, the, f the feminist movement, the red pill movement, and the way men are viewed and the way women are viewed. If you're not making a certain a certain amount of money, or you're not spending a certain amount, and you're not taking her to nice restaurants, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not buying her the nice things, or even just giving her the experiences. Or if you don't look like money, smell like money, a lot of women aren't going to give you that opportunity. So a lot of men literally pretend and they act and they perform that they have a certain status when in reality they don't. They're living they're living way below their means. But when it comes down to courting a girl to get her attention, because wow, she's beautiful, she's gorgeous. I can see a future with her, but if she knew who I truly was, when it comes now that comes down to identity issues, if she truly uh, if she truly saw who she who I was, she's not going to take me in as, as me. Yeah. So now you, you start off a relationship with a lie automatically, which men yeah. that, that's one of the worst things you can possibly do. Start off any type of relationship with a lie. You start off that relationship with a lie, and now little by little you start getting more comfortable. You start opening up. Walls start coming down. You become a lot more vulnerable to the woman, and now she starts to see who you truly are. It's funny because I I got divorced at 28. And I got remarried, or I started dating Sheena at 38. So, uh, I'm sorry, I was a single dad at 23. My last real relationship was like 28. It wasn't until 38 that I found Sheena, like 10 years later. But my money started getting right. Right. And then we didn't get married until I was 42. Mm. And Sheena, you know, Sheena was, uh, th uh, you know, practically uh, 30. So, is it, 
Do you think it's a natural pull then for more younger women in their 20s to be attracted to men in your age, in their 30s, just because of the financial situation and because maybe most younger men don't have their financial situation Correct. Uh, squared away? Correct. I mean, a lot of people consider it an even change, an even exchange. You mm-hmm. know, I, I get the young, pretty girl, younger age. It's going to take her a lot longer for her to, you know, to get to look a certain type of way because she's a lot younger than I am. And the girl gets the stability that she wants. She has a man her life. By the way, sometimes these uh, women, I remember when I was dating, they had kind of like this mental clock. Like, I have to have a kid by the time I'm 25 or get married by the time I'm 25 or have a kid, whether that age be 25 or 30, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a certain clock. For us men, we don't have a clock. We don't have a clock, no. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny it's a funny scenario. I wanna go back to this article here. It says, bad news for those earning $29,000. Uh, that was a minimum that respondents said they want a partner to make. Fortunately for most, this is well below the median annual, we were just talking about this, yep. median annual salary, which is $37,000 according to the US Census Bureau. So although student loans weren't a top deal breaker for any generation or gender surveyed, respondents said they wouldn't date somebody with more than $20,000 of student loan debt. I mean, think about the debt service. So a major, if, if you're making $30,000 a year, $37,000 a year, you know, depending on this being a 20-year student loan at a rising interest rate now because the Federal Reserve just increased interest rates uh, 25 basis points, quarter percent uh, uh, earlier last week. So there's, they're, they're, they're paying $500,000, $800,000 a month to service their their debt. Yeah. So, so what's that scenario like? You're dating somebody and they can't do this, they can't do that, they can't buy a house, they can't buy a car because a good chunk of their income is servicing and paying student loan debt. Right, I, for me, I've, I've been on both sides of the spectrum where I've been dead broke and I'm trying to date someone, I'm barely making ends meet. Mm-hmm. But then in the back of my mind, I know I'm, I have nothing to provide. Because again, we have that mindset of I'm a provider. Yeah. I'm the one who's gonna put the food on the table, I'm the one who's gonna provide financially. Having that mindset, knowing that you're in a relationship with somebody and you can't be that, that financial support for somebody, or not even support, just know that if something happens, you have it cover, completely covered. It, it really taints the relationship in a negative way. And then little little, little arguments start happening here and there. And then <laughs> on the other side, where I'm financially in a good place and there's more peace and there's more tranquility in the relationship, there's more flow. So my advice, especially a lot of these young cats or even cats who are in their 30s and 40s and mm-hmm. still don't have their money, right? Find a mentor, find someone that will teach you financial literacy, find a, find, find the psychology of money and literally invest as much time and energy as you can to it. Because as long as there's financial struggle in your family, whether you're married or not married, and whether there's finan- and as long as there's financial struggle in your personal life, it's gonna be extremely hard to sustain a relationship without feeling some type of identity issue within yourself. Because then now if your woman is the woman, if your woman is the, the money maker, yeah. that's also going to screw with your identity. It's gonna make you feel really inferior to who she is. And a lot of men to this day, they really still care about what yeah, I mean, society says I mean, look, look at that. Um, Giselle, uh, uh, she divorced Tom Brady. Yeah. Who did she end up dating? Some Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. He's not a multimillionaire. Not at all. But think about, think about that date, though. Let's think about that date. Or uh, Bezos, when they, he, he divorced, he and his wife divorced. Who did she end up dating? Uh, a, a school teacher. A professor, yeah, yeah. Yeah, school, t- right? School teacher. So in other words, you, you think these guys, they're up here in terms of income. Mm-hmm. Now they're these guys here from an economic standpoint down here. They may be great teachers or great jujitsu instructors, but are anywhere close to what it was like to being married to Tom Brady. Correct. Like, from a financial standpoint or Jeff Bezos from a financial standpoint. You got to think in the back of the mind of that guy yeah. who's dating her. Mm-hmm. Like the ex, first of all, what goes on to men's minds. Okay, you were sleeping with somebody before. Now you're sleeping with me. You know, you're going 100%. through that. You're, you're going through that 100%. picture of comparison in the back. You don't ask about it, but you think about it. Yeah, of course. And then number two, from an economic standpoint, she's got the money and you're broke. Mm. How long does that last, and is that sustainable? Put yourself in a scenario. What are your thoughts about that? 
I, th I think uh, now that's that's a, that's a conversation <laughs> that both parties need to be able to have. Um, I, I believe that being able to have that conversation from the get-go and knowing, like, yeah, I, I was married to Jeff Bezos. What's up? You know, I, I have X amount of money, and you as I got billions behind me. Billions behind me. So at least now you know. For, okay, for yeah. example, I'm going to use a, a personal example. Uh, not that long ago, I was actually um, uh, dating someone from uh, Santa, Monica, Santa Monica, California. Mm -hmm. um, you know, well-off woman, maybe in her mm -hmm. mid-30s, well-off woman. She's uh, okay. in, in, in an insurance industry. Yep. Um, so knowing what, what I was walking into financially, I wasn't at her tier. Yep. But right off the bat, she knew where I was headed with my finance. She knew where I was headed with my business. And from the, from the get-go, I, I advised her, I'm not, I'm not interested in what you have to offer. I have my own, you have your own. And now, knowing that you have your own, way beyond what I have, and I have my own, now we can actually focus on the genuine core of what matters of what a relationship is. So that being said, could it possibly be that having an open conversation in the very beginning where you can create a safe space for a man and or woman to be able to express what their thoughts are walking into this relationship? Because yeah, there's a lot of security, especially if, you, if, if, you, if you're yep. dating someone who's been, who's been married or engaged or dated multimillionaires or people who have more than you, yep. there's going to be that, that thought in the back of your head. Sure. Of, Am I enough? Yeah. Right. And I think that's where I guess mature women will step in and let's create a safe space. This is why I'm with you. This is, and this is what I want from you. Maybe this multi-millionaire or multi-billionaire didn't cr create a space for her or didn't provide the mental or emotional you know needs that she had. Because at the end of the yeah. day, men and women they have love languages, and men and women they have specific needs that need to be met. And no lump of money will ever meet those specific uh, needs that human beings have. Call me OG, but if my girl has to pull out her credit card because I can't pay for dinner, mm. I feel humiliated as a man. Sure. For me. Yeah. Okay. I remember one time Sheen and I were dating for some reason, and we all faced this at one point or another. One, one of these days, one of these nights, my credit card didn't go through. I just had one credit card with me. I'm like, shit, right? And then I had a humiliating ask, babe, babe, can you get your Amex? She goes, yeah. Could, could you mind? I, I left my other credit card at the house. Smart one. Right? And so she swiped it. I just felt so freaking humiliated. And I thought I just regressed like a million points behind, uh, especially I'm in a dating phase with Sheena. And I just remember telling myself, I'm never going to go to this date again with just one credit card. Or if I ask her to go out on a date, I'm going to arm myself mm -hmm. to make sure I get the cash in the bank. I get the, cre I get the credit cards ready to go, the debit cards ready to go, and I'm squared away. Uh, I just don't feel right for me having a woman my wife, my girlfriend, pay for anything. Now, weirdest part, what's that saying? Uh, my money is our money, her money is her money. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, is that true? I don't, what do you think? Is her money, her money, my money, our money? And that's one of the things we'll, um, we'll be unpacking on a millionaire goals because one thing for sure, man, these laws don't make it easy if the things, if things don't go right. For the man. For the man. Especially depending on what state you live in. Because they strip 50% of what, You've made and earned your entire life. Can't tell you how many doctors I've ran across. They're in the 50s and 60s, divorced, starting all over back to financial square one. They lose a house. Worst part about it, they, they're stripped of their dignity. They're estranged from their children because they think, oh, you know, just co-parenting agreement. Listen, a man has been stripped of his dignity. A man has been stripped of what, what has made him him. And everything now is tilted toward, the laws have been tilted to the favor of the ex-wife. And so uh, I, don't say, I don't say that it's right. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of dilemma uh, about that. That's why a lot of men today feel that there's no benefit to getting married. Which leads me to my next point. Let's go into this one. U.S. credit card jumping 18.5%. That's a massive jump. 
and it's now a record of $930 billion of total debt in America. Let's go to this article here right here. Uh, let's see here. Um, where are we? Uh, credit cards here. U.S. jumps 18.5%, almost a trillion dollars in credit cards. We're a trillion dollars in student loans. We're a trillion dollars in, in obviously, equity, uh, 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 mortgages. Now we're close to a trillion dollars in credit card debt. So, you know, when you're looking at the same scenario we just talked about, there's a record amount of people getting their lifestyles funded and finance using credit. Uh, these bank, our banks have been funded with a lot of cash from stimulus money to go out and uh, fund it to America. Uh, the ideal way to use credit card, the way I use credit card is I charge it, get the points, pay it off the next 30 days. Charge it, pay it off, get the points. So therefore my dollar does two things. It gets me what I need. And number two doubles back as membership award points. So what, what are your thoughts here as balances, it says as balances rise, so have, let's go back to this article. As balances rise, so have delinquencies, which is something to watch, says TransUnion's Michelle Ranieri. Okay, so uh, the rate hike is not making it any better yeah. because not only do you have credit card debt, but guess what they're doing to the interest rates on credit cards? They're also spiking up. spiking up. So in other words, more of your payment, if you're not paying into principal, if all you're doing is paying interest, it's going to extend how long you're going to be able to pay off that debt. What are your thoughts? Uh, so again, uh, coming from the background I came from, when it comes down to the household that I was raised in, uh, my parents really didn't have much financial literacy when it came, came down to, to money as a whole. Um, and they've utilized credit cards to meet uh, certain needs that we had when it came down to, to the household. Uh, they would always speak on uh, credit cards being for emergency emergency funds. Mm -hmm. And it seemed that every single day that we existed was an emergency moment for, for them. Yeah. And then they spent, you know, whether it was a $2,000 balance or limit, whether it's $5,000, whatever the case may be, it took them, it would take them maybe about two, three years to even get close to paying it off. And then you combine it with the interest rate, they were actually paying a lot more than what they should have been paying. And yep. um, it's, again, it, it wasn't a very wise way to approach uh, their spending. So growing up, you know, I, I, again, I mimicked, I mirrored exactly what my parents used to do. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. try to get as many credit cards as I can and I'm gonna yeah. use credit cards and then eh, it has a balance, it's fine. And I'll use my minimum wage job to try and pay off a certain the yeah. minimum, not, not, not the whole entire thing, the minimum every single month. So that way I keep some of my money and I, I keep my credit cards low. But the thing, the thing that I wasn't aware of at a very young age was uh, your credit score. Yeah. My credit score got ruined at a very, very young age because I was just max spending. There was more, there was more money flowing out than, than money coming in. Yep. Maxing out credit cards, not paying, attention to my, not, not paying attention to my student loan debt, not paying attention to the bills that I had making late payments consistently, not really caring. I don't, I, I, I wasn't making ends meet, so it's okay. The bill will still be there. They can send me a collection, it's fine. I'll pay attention to it when, when, when it gets to that point. So my, my approach to credit cards was just saving, basically saving my ass from any, any downs, you know, any mm -hmm. emergencies that I had. But the older I get, the more I understand what I can actually do for you when it comes down to you know, increasing your purchase power, when it comes down to building your credit, when it comes down to actually using it for an emergency fund. Sure. Um, and as you said, you know, now it's more of, I have credit cards, yeah, I don't have cash on me. I'm going to use it in the next yeah. 30, 50, 15, 30 days. Yep, pay it off completely, and it's done wonders for my credit score. Matter of fact, let's let's. By the way, let's take. Like, I'm going to do a quick spot check. Just be absolutely totally transparent, you guys. I carry very little cash with me these days, so here 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 here's what I got. So, boom, Amex. Okay, Amex credit card, platinum. Another. Can we get the camera on here? Amex. We got we got Amex. Boom, platinum. Right, business expenses. Amex, hotel expenses. 
Uh, U.S. Bank, right? Uh, 0% interest free for 12, uh, 18 months. Okay. Amex, in case I stay at uh, uh, Hilton. So I got one for Bonvoy Marriott. I got another one for Hilton Honors. Boom, another Amex, okay? For food and food and gas, okay? Um, look at this debit card. I still haven't even taken off the safety strip. <laughs> <laughs> debit card, just in case my credit card is going through, I can always go to an ATM and get some cash. Yeah. Uh, one credit card for personal. That's it. So everything here has been business. Yeah. Personal. So there's ways to use credit cards to advance your business. If it wasn't for a $5,000 charge on a credit card to market my first marketing campaign as a financial guy 23 years ago, I don't know where I'd be today. Mm. So I'm thankful for credit being there. I'm thankful for uh, me not, by the way, I've never spent or never applied for a SBA loan. I've never done a, a, the PPP loan. Oh, okay. Never even did the PPP loan. There's people right now getting uh, uh, audited and getting fined because they fraudulently use the PPP loans to fund and finance their lifestyle or business through COVID. We never even use a PPP loan. We said, let's get out the way. We've been saving our money. We use credit. We don't need the PPP loan. Get somebody else in line that has been getting their financial education, financial literacy up to speed and help them rescue their business. But she and I, we're good. But listen, credit cards. Dave Ramsey wants to say credit is bad. I want to say credit is good if you use it, if you use it the right way. You leverage it to pay it off. In other words, if you're spending $5,000 and you know without a shadow of that you're betting on you that you can make $10,000 back in the next 30 days, be smart of how you use that. I'm not going to say go ahead and go for it on the Millionaire Goals podcast because everybody's got a different financial discipline. But if you're using these credit cards because inflation is kicking your ass and eggs are up 60% <laughs> and food is up, you know, 30, 40% and you're using it to, or, and you're dating to impress sure. and buying clothes that you know you can't buy, that is a horrible way to use credit. You want to use credit as a glorified debit card. Outside of that, because that way you have membership rewards points that you use for travel. You can cash in for money. You can use other things. You can uh, have different perks that goes along with having rewards on your credit card. But when we hear news like this, an additional 22 million new credit card accounts were opened in the fourth quarter, led by originations among Gen Z or adults ranges from 18 to 25. So that's, that's potentially dangerous there if they don't use it. Uh, in the most intelligent way. So before we move on to the next topic, I mean, a lot of your clients, um, a lot of your clients are in this age demographic. A lot of our newest associates are in this age demographic. Any last thoughts here before we move on to the next topic as it relates to credit cards? Biggest thing, uh, at least for, for my own personal experience and my own personal mistakes, again, and this is the same thing we spoke on on this previous topic before we got to the credit card section, it's Learn financial literacy. I can't. I can't stress that enough, man. There's a psychology behind money, and psychology on, on the way you utilize your money. And like picking back off of what Matt said, if you're going to use credit cards, use and especially if you have a business or you're trying to create a business, whether it's a product or services based business, whether it's B2B or B2C, but whatever the case may be, if you're going to use credit cards, use those credit cards to reinvest into your business, so so your business can grow. As Matt said, bet on yourself. If you know that you're going to be able to to to, to leverage those credit cards and then make money off of those investments, whether it's for marketing, whether it's creating ads, or whatever the case may be for your product or service, use it for those, for those things. When it comes down to your personal endeavors of trying to buy the Gucci belt, trying to buy the Gucci shirt, trying to buy you know, the, the new Fresh Jays, or, or, or trying to have, trying to take a girl that you barely met and fit the part, look the part, look the part, take a girl you barely met on Tinder, on Instagram, whatever the case may be, right? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, right? <laughs> whoever, you, whoever you ended up meeting on any uh, dating platform, just to impress them when they're probably not gonna end up seeing it. If you do see her, you're probably gonna see her that night, you're gonna do, you're gonna do your thing, and then mm -hmm. she's probably not gonna be interested, you're gonna be interested, you're gonna move on from that. And now you just drop six, $700, 
dollars on a dinner, on drinks, on bottle service. If you go to the club, mm -hmm. especially if you're in your mid to early twenties, that can wait. Delayed gratification is one of the ways to go when it comes down to building something for yourself and for the for the long run. And once again, investing into yourself is the number one thing that you could possibly do, so that way you can have a better outcome for your life. Be urgent, but at the same time, be patient. I remember when I was in, in my 20s, I was so impatient. I wanted to get success. I wanted mm. to look the part, play the part, live, live in the right neighborhoods and drive the right cars. But the, the, like what you just said, the best thing I did was take my credit card, invest in myself, not a stock. By the way, I was just sitting down with the Goldman Sachs guy because I want a Goldman Sachs account. He says, Matt, you need 10 mil. I says, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little short. Mm. You need $10 million to establish your account with Goldman Sachs because I want Goldman Sachs to help me invest in a new companies are coming up the new ipos come i want to invest in those companies sure but you need 10 million you need 10 million dollars to be on the inside loop with uh, goldman sachs and i said if once i come up with my 10 million dollars how soon can you flip it how can you flip my 10 million into 15 to 15 into 20 20 into 30 he says matt listen stop time out right there let me manage expectations here's what he told me from goldman sachs he says the best investment you can make is doubling down in your endeavor because your endeavor got you to where you're at today better than anything I could do to passively invest your money. You're better off investing and doubling down on what made you, you. Everything that you do with Goldman Sachs is, uh, is just extra, but double down on your business. And I asked him, what's your average client? My average client is between, he goes, my average client is between 45 and 55. 90% of them are all entrepreneurs. They've all what? Invested in themselves. Mm. They found a problem, they create a solution, market the heck out of it, and made their money that way. So let's, let's go into, uh, Next topic here, why are annuities, why are annuities right now having a sales record from year over year, eclipsing sales during 2008 financial crisis amid fear, higher rates? It says here, all right, let's take a look at this article. It says annuity sales hit record last year, eclipsing sales during 2008 financial crisis amid fear and higher rates. And guess what I was talking about on the radio before podcasts were the thing? I was on radio in 2008, 2009, talking about safe money and risk money. And the safe money is annuities. Risk money is ex continuing to expose it to the stock market. And so people are starting to get uh, uh, aware of what annuities are, because back to the article, it says annuity sales hit 316 billion, over a quarter trillion in 2022, surpassing the prior annual record set in 2008 by 17%, according to Limer. Limer is uh, Life Insurance Market Research Association. Uh, the former uh, CEO of Limer was our former board member, Bob, Bob Kirshner, mm. and, uh, and uh, he ran Limer. As consumers are confronted with a confluence of factors, stocks and bonds faltered. There was a lingering fear of recession and the Federal Reserve raised interest rates aggressively, boosting annuity payouts. So you wanna know, so back, back here. So you wanna know how to overcome inflation? Here's how you'll go overcome inflation. Put your money in things that also increase when inflation increases. Meaning that bonds, when interest rates increase, guess what happens to bonds? The issue bonds at higher interest rates, higher yields. Why? Based on the Federal Reserve interest rates. So the, the downside is stocks go down. The flip side is bonds go up. Guess what insurance companies do? 60% of all corporate bonds purchased, uh, purchased on, on Wall Street, according to the American Council of Life Insurance, ACLI, is that the insurance industry purchases 60% of all corporate bonds issued in America. Why? Because bonds are relatively, for, most, for the most part, relatively safe. And Insurance companies are experts at managing risk. In other words, they don't want to expose your money to risk. And inside annuity contracts, guess what? They have guarantees, they have safety, they, have, they make sure that no matter what happens, your principal is there, no matter what happens, you're gonna get this interest rate, stock market drops, you get your principal in there, stock market drops, you get your interest rate credited. So a lot of benefits 
that a lot of people weren't aware of in 2008, 2009, they're being more married aware of in 2023. What are your thoughts on, on uh, making sure people have guaranteed income? I mean, was, is, is that not a good thing to have for the rest of your life? Of course. Not worry about your, your, your other assets. You want to make sure income is coming in? Yeah. And actually, I, and I, I would want to speak on behalf of the Gen Zs and some of the millennials, especially people who aren't aware of what an annuity is. For a lot of people probably watching this, yeah. especially the younger generation, you're saying annuity and they're saying, what? What's an annuity? Yeah. So my question to you is, how can a Gen Z or a millennial even come forth to getting an annuity, getting started, what are like the first maybe two, three steps to it? And how can these Gen Zs actually benefit from annuities? So let's go back to the article here. Yeah. So let's go back to this article here. It says, all annuities are issued by insurance companies, which hedge risks like volatility or the danger of outliving savings in old age. Annuities have also benefited from Federal Reserve's cycle of raising interest rates, which has translated into a better return on investment. Meanwhile, U.S. bonds, which typically acts as a ballast when stocks fall, suffered the worst year in record in 2022. It's leaving few options for savers looking for a relative safety and a decent rate of return. So basically, in a nutshell, annuities is basically a glorified savings account with an insurance company. People see CDs at the bank. Well, guess what insurance companies offer? They offer CDs. We're very familiar with the insurance company right down the street here called National Life Group. Uh, very uh, familiar with many uh, different insurance companies from across the country. They're raising their interest rates and what they're crediting on their policies. Why? Because the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, which also translate into annuities increasing interest rates and yields and also potential payouts if you're receiving income from those type of annuities. So for example, Milton, if you won the lottery, yeah. state of Texas, state of Illinois, you win the lottery. They're going to pay you one of two ways. A, you win, okay, you win a million dollars in the lottery. A, you can take your $400,000 today, and, and that's it. Your early payout is $400,000. You win a million dollar lottery, but today you can take $400,000, and the state pays you no more. Or you can take that million dollars, but over a 20-year period. And guess how they back that? By putting that money inside a? Annuity. Inside an annuity. Wow. Right? Same thing with pensions. When pensions, when, when people retire from the, from the union, they guarantee that payout using the annuity as a way to make sure you're guaranteed payout for the rest of your life. This is a way for people to have pensions and guaranteed income because people don't care what their savings are in assets and 401ks and real estate, it doesn't matter. All, crypto, it doesn't matter. All they care about is when I'm retired, when I'm 60, 65 years old, well, for some of you that wanted to be retired earlier than later, you have to have some form of guarantee mm -hmm. and that guarantee can be provided through a annuity. But here's the downside. The younger you are, the less the payout. The older you, because the gear, what are new, what are uh, insurance companies wanting you to do? Sadly, I want you to pass away, yeah. right? Yeah. So life insurance, they hope you don't pass away for a long time, right? For 30, 40 years, why? Because they can collect your premium for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Annuities, they want you to die soon, mm. so they can pay you out soon. So therefore, they can they can cash out. However, the downside for an annuity is if you live long. You, you strain them because they have to guarantee you income, contractually speaking, for the rest of your life. So that's how annuities work. So how would a, uh, you know, a young candidate between the ages of 18 to, let's just say, 26, 27 years old, where would they go look? Who do they ask for this? You would ask, you would ask a licensed insurance agent for annuities. And by the way, I'm not talking about uh, State Farm or, or, or Farmers or Allstate. Mm. By the way, Allstate just got out of the annuity business. They just sold off their block of business. So you want to talk to a more, the, the best person to talk to about this type of topic is ask your insurance agent. Are you an independent life insurance agent with access to multiple carriers, 
to get access to products and services that may benefit you the most in terms of annuities. The other factor of it also is index annuities. So we're just talking about fixed annuities, guaranteed interest rate, X amount of years, you get your payout. Index annuities allow you to have upside potential with the market, but no downside risk. And oftentimes people say, hey man, you know, there's fees, there's excessive fees. The only type of fees that are gonna hurt you inside index annuities, which a lot of them don't wanna disclose, is if you surrender too soon. So there's a three-year contract, a four-year contract, a five-year contract has got to be in there. Just like a CD, if you withdraw your money too soon, they have an early withdrawal fee. Same thing too with annuities, it's called surrender charges. But if you need to access 10% of your money, there's going to be no penalties to act for most annuities. You can take 10% of your, your money, but there's no penalties. It's only when you collapse the thing, when you 100% liquidate your annuity, that's when back-end surrender charges kick in, and that's where the fees come in. Mm. But along the, along the way, though, if you, let's say, you have $100,000 in these annuities, the insurance agent is not taking out fees. If $100,000 at your brokerage account, at the, at the stock brokerage account, they're gonna take out money for fee management to, to manage your portfolio of what they call assets under management. So an independent insurance agent with access to multiple carriers, these are the folks that help you with more fixed index annuities, fixed annuities and index annuities. Lot to learn, huh? This is the, <laughs> and this is exactly the value that's going to be consistently poured into all of you folks. If you, if after watching each and every episode, you don't take something away from this, I, I really urge you to really start asking questions to yourself on what you can take away from these, from these moments. Just listening to Matt on annuities. I'm familiar with them, but I'm not an, an expert on them. And just these little nuggets that he drops on them gives you more clarity. Whenever you listen to someone who's an expert in, in certain fields and certain areas of life, guys, they're guiding you towards the right direction and where you need to go in order to be able to obtain that specific product or service that they, that they offer or that they know on. And again, guys, finance is going to be around for, for the rest of our lives. And having financial literacy is one of those things that no matter what age you are at, no matter what country you may, you may be living in, no matter what tax bracket you may be in, no matter what, what other kids may be, it's very wise to look into financial literacy and know how to manage your finances and plan ahead for your future and for your retirement. Boom. Speaking of that, let's go to our next topic here. Prioritizing money over marriage. Let's take a look at this article here. Prioritizing money uh, over marriage today's parents are making a big mistake. You know, uh, in this article, large majority of Americans, American parents are prioritizing work and money for the children over other life goals. Okay. Uh, according to Pew Research Report, parenting in America today gave parents a list of five future achievements for the kids, college education, marriage, having children, satisfying job or career, and financial independence. So, but only one-fifth of the parents said getting married and having kids are very important or extremely important to the kid's future. Even more disturbing is that nearly uh, uh, half the parents said getting married one day and having kids of their own, 46% and 46% were not too important. Yeah. So, you know, back, back down to the breakdown here of the American family. And the sad part of breakdown of the American family is if you get people divided, that's the way you can divide America. You want America united, you build not on the states and cities, you build on families and the communities. So uh, when, when parents are saying, hey, spend less time in marriage over the course of your life than ever, get your money right. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think this point, and from, from my observation, from, from what I can extract from this, a lot of, for, for many years, man, uh, we've had that you know typical American family where 
you, you buy the house, a white picket fence, you, you find you the find American a, dream. American dream. You find a woman, you, you find a husband, you find a man, whatever the case may be. You have your kids, you know, you both are, are working or if not, the woman stays at home, the man's the provider, the breadwinner, XYZ, the, the woman's the nurturer, she's the one who takes care of the entire household. And that's the American dream, right? You come you come home, you grow, your kids grow up, you invest into them, they grow up, now they start doing the exact same thing. You get you get old and you get old, you retire, and then you're in a rocking chair on your front porch on some land that you bought over time and then you end up passing away and then your children do the same exact thing. But I, I think a, a lot of people have have really forgotten what actually can help hold the family together a lot more and can provide when it comes down to creating a legacy for your family and making sure that each generation that comes after you um, can also have a successful way of life and that's the financial literacy that's finances and I think a lot of people forgot that finances are very important which is isn't I would assume that that that's, uh, finance is one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people end up getting divorced or there's major issues within of course yeah exactly uh, uh, let's, let's go back to this article here. Let's look at this paragraph. It says, we understand why in an increasingly precarious economy, a majority of parents would believe that finding a good job and earning a decent income important for the children's future. But should trouble all of us that only a minority of parents would also see marriage and family life as central goals, and even more so that nearly 50% would say that marriage and parenthood are basically Not important. unimportant. So well, here's the thing, man. You know, uh, you, know you get... You get basic fundamentals of what relationship is, right? And let's say, let's say, let's, let's play that card though. Let's play that card. Let's say you delay getting married and you get your finances in order. What do you expose yourself to? You expose yourself to kids being born outside of marriage. Correct. And what happens is now you have single parent, uh, another flush of single parent households. And in my opinion, and also a lot of stats even prove that the best place for a child to be raised is both with mother and father. Having separate households, I don't I know for me, uh, 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 having situations where my kids were split between you know, homes and co-parenting type of arrangement, it was half, it was just just crazy. My, my, I did not look forward to weekends. People talking about TGI Friday, I was not looking for, forward to, to weekends because either A, I had the kids and I had to drop off the kids, or B, I had to pick up the kids and the kids were all either frazzled or they were just in the middle of the, the, whole, the whole thing. And so if you're looking at playing this card, what you're going to expose yourself to is, oops, I got pregnant, or I got someone else pregnant, and I'm having kids because in pursuit of my career, versus, hey, let's build both together. I think if you and, and, and if you're building both together in your marriage and your relationship built on solid, time-tested values and principles, which a lot of people aren't, especially when their priority is just getting their money right, you end up creating a lot of problems down the road, and a lot of people then just don't believe uh, in marriage, and so. I applaud the guys that come into our firm. They come in together, boyfriend and girlfriend. They get married and they have kids. I applaud them for doing mm -hmm. that. There's been thousands and thousands that came through our doors that were boyfriend and girlfriend. And guess what? Now they're building a business together. Now they're building a family together. And guess what? They're all growing. They're all growing together. They've woven their futures together and creating, and creating instead of creating two separate households and two separate type of identities versus weaving them, weaving them together. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this? I think that, I think that within itself is, is a, true, a true a true dream within uh, within itself of being able to come in together into a business or create your own your own business whether it's service or product and growing with your spouse in that realm. But yeah. he, also keeping in mind that a lot of people don't, they don't have that entrepreneurial mindset where they want to create something with their spouse. They just they're okay with working nine to five jobs, coming home at a certain time, meeting, seeing them, having the entire Saturday Sunday with their kids, and living that traditional lifestyle that a lot of people uh, hold on to, and not 
wanting to scale their lives and do more and actually go through the struggle of creating some form of business. But I think a lot of reason why also a lot of people aren't prioritizing marriage and creating, you know, having a family as, as, as a big a big thing for them. I think a lot of it comes from fear. A lot of it comes from the pain of experiencing their parents go through hell together and seeing that financial struggle is one of the biggest things. And now they say, you know what, I will never let this happen to, my, to me. I will, if, and if you're a woman, you see your mom going through domestic abuse consistently, you see you have a narcissistic father in, in the household, now you have this this power trip in this in, in, in this subcon your subconscious mind is, is in a state of I will not let a man dictate my ways. I will not allow anyone to maneuver me in a certain way, or he will not get an emotional reaction out of me. So now you tend to go into a field where it's very male dominant, or mm -hmm. you have a very masculine energy to yourself. And I've noticed that amongst a lot of uh, business women, they have a very masculine energy to them because of the the, the business that they're involved in and the fact of what they experienced growing up. So I think also that's another thing when it comes down to marriage and the dynamic of it is there's a lot a lot of psychology behind it, and there's a lot of healing and open communication, uh, open dialogue communication that needs to occur in order for two people to actually make things work, whether it's prioritizing money or whether it's individually coming into the relationship already financially set or coming into a relationship saying, hey, look, this is where we're at and this is where, where, we, where we both want to head. These are your goals and these are my goals. But now that we're going to create a family, let's create a goal together so that we can, we can both work at it. You can even you can approach it that way. But if you come into 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 the uh, marriage or commitment with the thought process of just take, 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 and you're not willing to give or you're not willing to face the facts that you might have some trauma from your previous relationships or even up even your upbringing, that's also going to affect the way you perceive relationships. Remember, you don't remember that saying, what's that saying? Uh, the husband brings home the bacon. Yeah. And then what does the wife do? She cooks it. Yeah, she cooks it. So the man brings home the bacon and the wife cooks it, which lends you to believe that that saying come from an era where husband and wife work together. Yeah. And you have to figure, and the reference manual I use for this type of topic, I use the Bible. Yeah. Over 6,000 years of documented human history, if you choose to believe it or not, 6,000 years of history is inside this manual, inside this book called the Bible. And guess what husbands and wives were doing? Yeah. Working together. They were broke together, they came up together, they were dirt poor together, paycheck to paycheck together, and guess what? They built something together. It's only been since the industrialization age where you got, okay, uh, maybe I'm gonna make my own money. Uh, you do your thing, I'm gonna do my thing. Smooch, smooch, eight, eight o'clock in the morning. Boom, two different uh, 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 two different uh, careers. Next thing I'll see you at home for dinner at six o'clock. Mm. Kids, right, dinner together. Maybe you, you know, have your, your love life uh, later on that night. Rinse, repeat Tuesday, rinse, repeat Wednesday, rinse, repeat Thursday, Friday. For thousands of years, however, husbands and wives built something together. So the narrative that a lot of people see today is that you have to have two different separate careers. Oh, my wife's gonna do her thing, right? A husband can do her thing. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I think uh, going back to, and by the way, I'm much more happier today. Even I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying that Sheena and I don't have arguments and struggles and there's days that we don't love each other. We like each other. <laughs> there's days that we don't get along together, but we're still building a family more you know, and, and more importantly, a family together, a, a, a household where the children can, can be there. But at the same time, we're also building a business together. We're building a ministry uh, together. So um, I want to go on to the next topic here when it talks about men uh, and strength, right? There, there are areas here, let's go to this article here, over 80% of adults don't meet U.S. strength guidelines. Why is it so important to be strong? Because... Listen, man, they're, they're, they're talking about a, a drop in testosterone, a drop in estrogen. People aren't just getting actually like generationally, there's less testosterone in men, there's less estrogen in, 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 in women. Uh, more than 600 muscles in the human body and it's impossible to strengthen each. 
And uh, uh, Milton, before I even uh, unpack this, why is it so important for people to be strong, not just fit, but also strong? So I, 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 I believe that when you are able to go put yourself in a physiological state where you're going through resistance consistently, aka strength training or any type of physical movements that you're doing outside of your norm, right? The walking, the sitting, the standing, the walking up the stairs, down the stairs, the basic human movement. And you're putting, yourself in, you're putting yourself in an environment where you're creating resistance to yourself. Not only are you building callus in your body, but you're also, you're also building callus in your mental and also in your emotional state. And again, based off of what we spoke on uh, the last time, Matt, uh, what you, t what you can do in any, in any gym, whether it's strength training, whether it's uh, cardiovascular activity, whether it's, it, it's uh, balance and coordination exercises, all of those things add so much more to your thought process, to your brain as an organ, but to, also to your mind and to your emotions that you can take, you can take a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of lessons from, from what, it, what it's doing to you. It's also healing your body in many ways. So for example, uh, I'm a big believer that motion creates energy. Motion, any type of motion will create energy. If and we say energy makes money. Boom, exactly. So now, if you, if, if, if you were to compare two types of people, if you look at a, a depressed person and then you look at an excited person, when a depressed person is speaking or the way they're sitting or their posture is, you automatically assume that, or you, you would assume that their shoulders are down, their head, their head is down. Their eye, their eye levels are dropped. They have a very monotone way of. Speaking. By the way, that's that's a good point because guess what people are doing all the time? They're like this. Exactly. Or they're standing up. And they're constantly like this. Exactly. Everywhere they're going, their their head is down. Exactly. That that looks depressing. Yes. I just made a conscious effort. I'm 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 texting like this. Or in my office, I have a headset. I'm walking around my headset. I'm not mm. I'm not cranked up like Correct. this on the phone. Right. Does that make sense? So, okay. so the way you position your body, your posture, that's going to determine your psychology. That's going to determine your energy level. So again, depressed people. Slumped shoulders, chest caved in, head down, eyes low, very monotone voice and speaking in a very low tone where people really don't get encouraged or motivated by the way what you're saying. <laughs> but then you look at someone at a sporting event, someone scores a touchdown, three-pointer, right? Whatever yeah. Game-winning goal, game-winning uh, three-pointer. Yeah. Everyone's perspiring, everyone's sweating, high-fiving. If you're drunk, you're under the influence, whatever the case may be, but you're, you're, there's so much energy. And even if you're not into sports, if you're just sitting there in the middle of a sporting event and something grand happens, you feel feel the radiant energy hit you yeah. that makes you want to stand up that makes you just want to clap Woo! or even nod your head that's right so the way you move your body will create the energy so that's what comes into the whole ideology of power posing the way your posture the way you posture yourself is very 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 important but in order for you to have a good posture there's certain muscle groups that you need to be able to attack let's talk about that okay so uh some of the muscle groups that you need to be able to attack are your glutes your glutes influence the way you walk influences uh, your posture when it comes up to your lower, to your lower body, and it influences so much on when it comes down to do you have lower back pain or not. If you have strong glutes, not tight, strong glutes, it takes away any, any lower back pain, especially people who sit down a lot when it comes up to consulting or any type of business that involves a desk job, in, engaging your glutes is very, very important. Your obliques, it helps you up. Obliques, satisfied, satis okay. It, it helps you be upright and it also protects your vertebrae, your, your lower love vertebrae. Is that love handles? Okay. <laughs> your, your love okay. handles. Your rotator cuff muscles, and your posterior delts. When you see a, a lot of people sitting at a desk consistently, you will notice that it's, the chest it's, like, sh it's shoulder. Yeah. Okay. Both, so both rotator cuff and posterior delts right. are all shoulder area. Your, 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 your rotator cuff is what protects you, what protects your, 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 your shoulder girdle. Now your posterior delts, the, the, uh, the muscles in the back of your shoulder, those are the ones that a lot of people underutilize because they're being uh, your chest is being overutilized. So when you're at a desk consistently typing, your shoulders are slumped in, which is over stretching the posterior delt. But the more you start working out certain specific muscle groups, example, the posterior delt, that's going to pull your posture into the upright position, which then allows you to have an exposed chest, more of a loud voice so it can actually penetrate people's ears. And now you have people's attention on you. Now that you have that power pose automatically 
the nerves and the nerves and the signals that your brain sends to your body and the, the energy that you're starting to create now because you become a lot more of an open person. When you look at someone who's a secure man, they sit and their arms are crossed. They're closed off to the entire world. But if someone stands up and their chest is being popped out and they're speaking with their chin up and their shoulders back, people tend to be more receptive on that specific, uh, on a specific uh, speech that they're, they're trying to give. So power posing is very, very important. Body posture, whether you're giving a speech or whether you're at a desk, is very, very important. You're able to close more deals. You're able to convince more people. And you're able to get your message across a lot faster. Now, for example, the last thing when it comes down to this, why sitting is not good for engagement, it's not good for your physiological health. Let's take, a look, let's take a look at this article. Go ahead, hit it. Yep, let's take a look at this article right here in, ter in terms of sitting. Sit sitting is too, uh, sitting too much is bad for your health and offsetting the impact is easy, study shows. Okay, so let's talk about the dangers of sitting because we all have many hours of the day, whether we're watching sports events, watching TV, uh, at the office, majority of our day these days is sit it down, yep. is seated down. Yeah. So for one, your physical body, when you sit down for too long, completely too long, your hip, your hip flexors become extremely tight, your glutes become tight, but they also become weakened. So what, a lot, what, what ends up happening when you're certain specific uh, muscle groups within your, your glute area, uh, for example, your piriformis is a muscle that goes across across your glute, which actually is is laying over a, a very important nerve that goes down your entire leg, which a lot of people tend to have issues with when they have a sit down job, aka sciatica. When they have sciatic issues, that's one of the most painful things. And when you're in physiological pain, Matt, it's really hard to concentrate and actually have the momentum and energy to go on with your day and actually want to do anything, including business, including, you know, sitting down and speaking to a client, consulting, whatever the case may be. So instead of just sitting down for too long and not being able to attain the full benefit of having a body, it also affects your cognitive. It also affects the way you retain information because you don't have blood flowing. You don't have oxygen flowing to your brain. So here... Couple things that you can do. Very simple, very easy. Aerobic training. Aerobic training is just basically a, a very nice way of saying cardio. Cardio is going to increase oxygenated blood to your brain. The more oxygenated blood you get to your brain, the better you can process, the better you think, the, the better you can think, the more you can retain, and the more present you can be in in in, in any situation you may be. Uh, next thing, resistance training, strength training. They can be dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells, whatever the case may be. That's going to increase your brain function by stimulating new uh, uh, stimulating new brain cells. In, in your brain. When you do that, you're able to also retain more, be present more, and being able to keep your cognitive health in a good state. So when we say strength training, it doesn't mean you have to bench 315. Any, yeah, correct, nothing. Just anything that, 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 that anything that will give your body, your muscles resistance, anything. Because you have me on these bands, yeah. or just simple calisthenics. Yeah. All right, I remember one time you had us in a plank position. I'm crying there because you got you had me on that plank position for like 45 seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't do this. My wife and I are screaming. So that's in the form of resistance Correct. training. Okay. Correct. And now, 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 when because at, at the end of the day, resistance training also increases uh, physiological stress on your body. So let's just say you're you're already in a physio if you're already in a stressful state physiologically, and you're finding ways to reduce it so that we can reduce inflammation and you can reduce stress. There's other ways of doing it as well. When it comes down to meditation, yoga, or prayer, even prayer. Stretching and praying, talking to God, talking to the higher, you know, whatever, whatever you end up believing in. Because now that also is going to reduce stress. It's going to reduce uh, inflammation. And when people have inflammation, it's not just in one specific area. It's overall everything, including your brain as an organ. And when you have, when you have inflammation in your brain, that's going to restrict blood flow through your brain. And when you have restricted blood flow, you're not able to process, and then your cognitive decreases. And the final thing, so it would be considered brain fog. Brain fog. Okay. Brain fog. Not okay. being able to process, brain fog, not remembering things, memory okay. loss. And the final thing is balancing exercises. That's also going to be able to stimulate your brain in any place where it's going to again cre create new cells and keep you on your on your toes per se. So that way you're able to do what you need to do in your business, in your family, and in your personal life. Hey, bottom line, everybody, your first wealth is your health yep. 
I remember what three years ago. Three years. How long we've we been working together now? You, you use my trainer. Like three years. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. So pre-pandemic. Yeah, pre-pandemic. And I was so pissed off during pandemic because they shut down all the gyms. And that's that. And we go back now. They kind of gave the birth for you starting your own business because the gyms were shut down. You still had to make money as a trainer. Yeah. And so when I, I remember when I first started working together with you. He had me jump on. A, how, how was that platform he asked me to jump on? Because I had all this patella tendon tears. I have all this uh, aches and pains, gout, inflammation. I had from just bad diet and injuries from the military. How high was that platform? You about a foot, me? two feet? That's it. Not, the, not that big, man. Maybe yeah. mid-shin? And I couldn't jump it. Couldn't jump it. You were in pain. Lower back, <laughs> knees were shot. Yeah, it was a... It was, uh... I couldn't... I mean, you had me uh, put my... Uh, go on one knee. You had to have a pad for me to go on one knee because I had so much uh, knee pain knee pain there and uh, there was like an Oshkosh slaughter protrusion from my knee mm -hmm. uh, coming out and uh, listen 15, 17 years post-military me not working out constantly being in pain after the military because I didn't decondition myself I said let me just rest let me just sleep it off and I slept it off for 15, 17 years without paying attention to health and uh, make a long story short I realized that I spent if I'm going to spend the rest of my life to build wealth but spend that wealth to just regain my health that's a foolish endeavor and so if you want to be a first generation cash flow millionaire, we want you to have not only wealth, but health along the way. So um, before we wrap up this, uh, this podcast here, episode two, I want to talk about something here. Talk about protection. Talk about safety. Talk about America. Mark. What's up with this Chinese spy balloon flying over America? So it goes all the way past the West Coast. And then I started commenting on a live video because it was going over Chicago, over Illinois. I'm like, how come we just don't shoot this thing down? And by the time this weekend, matter of fact, let's, let's put this let's put this video up, right? Let's uh, let, let's look at the slide. So this this is what I said this weekend. If you don't in case in case you don't see me this weekend, I'm gonna shoot down this damn balloon, <laughs> right? <'Cause> oh, it, <laughs> how do you see that? Right? Okay. In, in, the, in the military, listen, man, you put me in charge of government equipment. We're taking care of our enemies, but this administration, this leadership of this country, uh, waits until it's all the way coast through coast taking all the pictures let's let's take a look at what what happened here this past weekend and then finally this chinese spy balloon eventually gets shot down look how quickly it gets shut down there's nothing to it but the question a lot of people are asking is would you allow a stranger to come into your house in the middle of the night you're going to open the door stranger to come into the house strangers come into the house in the middle of the night they're taking pictures of all your stuff taking pictures of all your valuables, taking pictures of your kids, yeah. sleeping in the bed, taking pictures of your master bedroom, taking pictures of whatever, wherever your office is at, however your house is laid out, and then leave, you don't even know their name. You don't even know what they're here for. Would you allow that to happen? So so people say, well, uh, Trump uh, Trump allowed a Chinese spy balloon to flower three times. Well, he also, he also said fake news. So yeah. he also said yeah. fake news. And then, um, uh, 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 and then, well, before I go into the next topic here, about TikTok, what are your thoughts about this Chinese spy balloon flying over America, going over our homes, our country, without any action by this country to shoot down? Hey, hey, listen, hey world, can't do this stuff around America, but we're just getting run over. We're getting bullied again by another country, getting ran over. You know, I'm, I'm not very much in, into politics, um, but I, I have seen a lot of news and I have been around a lot of conversation and there's a lot of patterns now going on when it comes down to China and what China's been doing alongside and, you know, against uh, the United States. And my biggest question is, you know, what's next, right? What's next? Is there going, is this going to be a start of something that's going to involve two powerful countries, the United States and China? And is this going to lead us into a, a possible war one day? 
And is this the beginning of, of a pushback that the United States are, is, even though it was delayed, even though it was delayed, what's the next thing? And will there be pushback from our, from, from our, uh, from our country, from our you know, uh, staff, our higher-ups in, in our country? Listen, China, you know, China keeps messing with us, man. You know, I, uh, uh, listen, who has made China China in terms of our economy? Where is everything made at these days? You go to Walmart, you go to Target, you buy something, you look in the box. China. Made in China. And I, I mean, I was looking at all the things that my kids, uh, all the toys for a couple of Christmases ago. I looked at all the boxes. Everything made in China. China. Walmart, roll back. I mean, China. I asked guys, hey, you, you're selling a product in America? You're sourcing it? Where are you selling it? Amazon. But where are, you get, where are you sourcing the product to get it from to be delivered and sell it through Amazon? Guess where they're getting it from? China. China. So we've empowered China to be the second largest economic power in the world. In, in addition to that, so we've helped them. Second part, who knows, man? They may have been the responsible party for this coronavirus, for all these things that's going on with with China talking about biohacks, I, I believe that the wars of tomorrow aren't going to be two tanks, two airplanes, two Navy ships, two platoons fighting it out in the middle of the field. The wars of tomorrow are going to be bio, it's going to be cyber, it's going to be economic. Those are the wars. And if we're not aware of those going forward, the reason why this is important for the Millionaire's Gold podcast is because if you don't get your money upright, you start, start stay, uh, saving money or things of value down the road, you don't want to be caught in a, uh, another recession in a pandemic, some cyber attack, where, where a couple of years ago, even the electricity here in Dallas was shut down for a couple of years, mm. or excuse me, for, for like a, a couple, two, two, three, four, five days. Yeah. There's no power. And so you don't want to be in a position of being exposed and you're weak because you can't respond or you're left without resources. You want to make that money so if you get the economic resources put in your way, so therefore you can make money, regardless of what's going on with China, regardless of what's going on with, with our economy, you're making money, you're bringing this in regardless. And let me, let me uh, read this here from this article. It said, they have satellites, they're sophisticated, and it's not clear to me what intelligence advantage they could gain by doing this. Perhaps it fits in the wolf warrior diplomacy that China's pursued being aggressive in pursuit of his interests until there is a strong pushback. Mm. So they, got, they, got, uh, they affected us with the supply chains. They affected us because we're not getting product from China. It affected our malls, affected our businesses. It shut down our businesses because we couldn't get practice to sell in our in our stores. It shut down restaurants. Yeah. Shut down the small business on the entrepreneur. So we have to have some form of, hey, stop messing with our livelihood. Stop messing with our country. The reason why people stop coming somewhere or thriving somewhere because they just don't feel safe. If people don't feel safe in their own country, in their own city, in their own state, in their own home, Guess what's going to happen? People are going to leave. And when you have people leaving, that's not good for our population. That's good, not good for America. It's not good for uh, uh, businesses. Uh, book recommendation for everybody watching this podcast. Read or watch the five-part DVD series called Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged, a book about this thick. Jeez. It's, uh, it's uh, uh, um, uh, Dallas Mavericks uh, owner Mark Cuban's favorite book, This Thick, or you can buy the five-part DVD series. But talks about what's going on. And, and by the way, Ayn Rand is a is a, a, a former Russian economic uh, uh, um, uh, novelist. So she wrote about the story about what's going on in a country when things like this start happening. And guess what? It's happening right before our eyes. Another book that references what's going on before our eyes is the Bible. So you have two books right now is referencing what's going on. And also the solutions behind it is being proactive and not sitting, sitting behind. And I want to talk about this in, 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 in the, this tweet. That, let's go back to this uh, uh, tweet here with uh, uh, Governor Abbott. Guess what he's doing? He's shutting down TikTok 
a statewide ban planning TikTok in the state of Texas. I believe this is for uh, government workers in the state of Texas. Correct. Right? So it's not necessarily, you know, uh, every teenager got to shut down their TikTok account. Governor Abbott is saying, state employees in Texas, you're now banned from using TikTok. How do think this ban potentially, if it goes down, we think is, how is this going to affect people in Texas? Because other states might adopt it too as well. Of course. And I also, I also saw that... Uh that not only is it for these uh, these workers, but also for universities and schools. I already see in some some states that some schools uh, from all from middle school to high school and some community local colleges are already ban uh, banning TikTok off of their network completely. And on on, on, a, on a smaller scale, for a lot of these young cats that you know make a lot of money, who are making some form of income off of TikTok, or they're using TikTok as as a great way to to push their brand, push their product, push their services. You know what's next for them? What's next for them as far as far as that? Uh, I know a lot of people have been utilizing TikTok for for that specific for for for, brand, for their own personal branding. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Matt, on, like on a, on, a, on a different level of speaking, when it comes down to this specific topic, putting that aside, I feel TikTok's been much of a distraction for a lot of people. I feel that TikTok, any social media platform is at that. If you don't know how, if you're not utilizing to to market yourself, to market your your, your product or service, I feel that it's a big waste of time. Because people are just consuming content, just consuming it, and not and not, and not only for, for when it comes down to their to, to, to their um, to their finances, not only to their relationships. Now, that, you know, if, if you're on a date with someone and you go you go you go back with your your spouse, your partner uh, from from your date, and now you go home, and now you guys are sitting in front of a TV. But you're saying you guys are watching Netflix, but while you guys are watching Netflix, you're scrolling through TikTok. <laughs> we have two things stimulating you at the same time, but there's zero type of connection between two human beings happening. Now what ends up happening on, your, on, a, on a physical standpoint, you go to bed, and instead of having a good night routine that's going to add to your sleep, help you get deeper around sleep, and allow you to wake up the next day feeling amazing to conquer and attack your freaking day, yep. what's happening? You're scrolling through TikTok for about an hour, hour and a half. Now you're now that energy from your phone is stimulating your brain. So now when you go to bed, I know, I know this happened to me in the past where I'm in bed, I'm scrolling through TikTok, where I'm on my phone a lot. The moment I put my phone down, I close my eyes, I still feel my brain firing as an organ. Yeah. So now that's not letting me get sleep. And the days that I've utilized my phone ache, to scroll through TikTok because I'm bored or I just can't yeah. sleep. And instead of doing something else like prayer or trying to meditate, whatever the case may be, I jump on TikTok. That is putting me in a position where now every time I'm on this app, I wake up the next morning freaking exhausted mentally, phys yeah. physically, my brain, I feel like it's just throbbing versus when I actually take the time to create a good routine uh, before I go to bed, I actually wake up refreshed. So on some level, although it's it, it, this app has taken many, you know, many people in their businesses to the next level. And although, you know, it, it, they, you know, uh, the government could be doing this because of the the, chi the the Chinese issue. I feel like it's almost a blessing as well for a lot of people and their health and their family dynamics, and it could potentially save their relationships. Like how many times have you seen people take a social media blackout for thirty days, and how healthy is it for them? People will lose shit. <laughs> people will lose their minds. By the way, have you done that before? For those of you watching this, imagine you blacked out social media. You didn't watch any social media for let's say a week. Does that have to be thirty days? What happens to your life if you don't watch social media for seven days? Instagram models. 14 days. Instagram models will no, no, no longer have jobs. <laughs> exactly. Instagram models will no longer have jobs, man. But the thing here with TikTok is because the parent company is Chinese. Yeah. So there's a, there's, and, and when the CEO of TikTok USA was put on the stand to ask what type of data is being sent from profiles in America to their parent company in China, he was very unclear about his answer. Mm. And people are like, why are you not being, you know, decisive in this in just disclosing what you share about America in their profiles? 
back to your parent company in China. They're not saying anything. So that's the problem that a lot of people have with TikTok. Now, another person that banned something from China, let's take a look at this real quick, it was former President Trump. Because mm. he extended a ban on Huawei. Remember Huawei? Yeah. Selling cell phones? Because why? China was using Huawei to spy on America. And the first ban came on military on military installations. Any military service member, your Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, cannot, they ban it from all the federal installations. Because they found that while they were using Huawei to track military movements. Mm. So they banned it. Now, who, who, who's heard of Huawei since? Yeah. No, we haven't heard from Huawei since. But I get what you're saying about TikTok and people making, making money. Well, there's uh, something called building an actual business, mm. right? Not just online business. So if you're worried about, listen, my, my opinion, if more of, more of your income, 5, 10, 15% of your income comes from just online, you're in the wrong business in, in terms of getting retail sales or getting vendor sales. I get it if you're Amazon uh, e-commerce, it's a different conversation. But if all you're thinking about doing is selling uh, 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 income or selling Google AdSense or making revenue from TikTok or IG Reels, and it's all you're making money and you expect the majority of your income to come from that, you're putting yourself in a position of, somebody's got the thumb on whether or not you are in business or not. I like being in control. I like being in, I like, we don't, ha, we don't have to do this podcast, but we feel that we have a mission to help people out there because the way America is going, you need to have financial resources on your side. You have economic power, on your side. you have financial literacy and education on your side because though they don't know, listen, ignorance is not bliss. You have to make a choice right now because the way America is going, it's gonna be the United States of America, or the United States of America, we're making, we're doing our part to make sure that this is a United States of America. What makes this American experiment an awesome thing? So, listen, man, we talked a lot about the topics today. Uh, any final thoughts, man, before before we uh, cut loose for next week, man? Because we have a conference in Orlando, Florida, it's in the next couple of days, man. We yeah. got the Master B coming out. We got Patrick and David coming out. We got George Jordan coming out. We got uh, Ed Slot educating our guys about money and entrepreneurship. What are, you, what are your thoughts, man? Before we let everybody go, we're here, we're here to add value. We're here to possibly give you solutions to problems that you may have. There's every single problem that exists in this world has already been written about or spoken about. And we're here to try be that middleman for you. So that way you don't have to go online and have to search it yourself. We're dedicated, every single podcast, every single moment be on screen and off the screen to making sure we bring forth value to you, your family, your pockets, your business, and even your walk with uh, walk in faith. We're here to serve you. We're not here to take, we're here to give. And I'm excited for what's to come, Matthew. By the way, we've got nothing to sell. <laughs> we got nothing to sell you, man. Matter of fact, I do have something to sell you. If you haven't purchased it already, uh, Amazon best-selling book in three different categories. Purchase my book, Faith Made Millionaire, where we unpack a lot of these topics on a on a uh, faith and family, finance and fitness and fun yeah. aspect. Those are three pillars that have absolutely changed my life. Uh, talk about my testimony there too, as well. The good, the bad, the ugly of the last twenty some years of my life as a as United States Marine coming out through the Marines and starting my business. In Korea, last 23 years as an entrepreneur in the insurance industry. If you want to purchase that, knock yourself out. It's, uh, I think it's $17.99 on, on Amazon. So yeah, I'm, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know about our book. But with that being said, I'm excited for you because if you got goals to be a future generation, first generation cash flow millionaire, this is the right podcast to be looking, uh, to be watching and look, looking, listening to because um, we're gonna bring a lot of different topics that's gonna help you stay ahead of the money game because a lot of financial education is awareness. If you're aware about something, you want to be educated about something, so therefore you can take action. That being said, I have my co-host, Milton Alvarez. Make sure you drop your thoughts, your comments, your questions, put it in the comment section below. If you haven't done so, make sure you subscribe to the Millionaire Goals Podcast.
So, from Dallas, Texas, I'm your one smart guy. On behalf of Milton Alvarez, till meet again. Continue to live smart. Continue to love smart. And be mighty smart today. Boom. See you next week.